There are three reasons, three, at least three main reasons, why we come to church, why we come to a Catholic Mass, and why we celebrate a Catholic funeral. Of course, the most, most important reason of all is to worship God, to worship the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. The second is to pray for the dead, and in a special way, in this case, for our beloved brother, Mike. And thirdly is for ourselves, for us, not only for us to be consoled, for us to receive the grace to go through this difficult time of trial, this difficult time of grief, but also for us to come closer to the Lord. These are the three reasons why we're here. It may be helpful to just do a quick review of the context for that. Because that's not just arbitrary. It's not like we just woke up one day and we decided to do these things. This is reflecting something about reality, something about our lives, something about why we exist, and something about where we're going. We're here because God is love, and God created us for love. That's why we're here. Not just here in church, but here in general. That's why we exist. But the sadness is the second part of the story, which is that the enemy, the devil, tempted us to go away from him. And he did that to our first parents, Adam and Eve. So now we, being the descendants of Adam and Eve, we have this fight within us, this battle within us, this struggle within us. Both having been made by God, who is love, and being descendants of Adam and Eve, who are inclined to go away from God. That's the reality for every Christian, for every person in the world. But God loves us so much that He didn't want it to be that way. He didn't want that to be the end. He didn't want us to just wander around the earth on our own. He wanted to reconcile us to Himself. And so He came down to earth in the person of Jesus Christ, took on our human nature, took on all of our sins onto Himself, and died on the cross and rose from the dead. When he did this, he definitively reconciled the human race to the Creator. But the story doesn't end there, because if we were all forced to be a part of this reality, we wouldn't be free. And we wouldn't be free to love. God is love, so he wishes us to be free to love as well. So now we're invited to love Him in return. We're invited to be in communion with Him. And He gives us ways in which we can do that. First of all, by just saying, yes. Yes, God. I give my life to You. I want to be with You now and for all of eternity. And then He gives us particular means, like being baptized, and coming to Mass, and going to confession, and coming to church to pray, especially to pray for the dead. These are all ways that we're saying yes to God. Yes, God, I want your life to be lived out in me. We're responding to God's invitation to be with Him. 
See, this is the context. This is the Christian life. And here, within that context, we hear many stories, many parables, many readings, many lessons. And we heard a beautiful one just now, the parable of the sower and the seeds. And Mike knew well about sowing and seeds, didn't he? Being a farmer for almost 40 years. He knew well how to cultivate good seeds, how to help those seeds to grow. He knew where to plant those seeds. He knew that if he planted those seeds on cement, those seeds wouldn't grow very much. Or in rocky ground, that wouldn't go very far either. So Jesus tells us here that those who hear the seed, who hear the word, but they're like they're on the path, those seeds that are that are on the path on the on the cement, they're like those that hear the gospel, but then the devil comes and takes away the word. That seed doesn't grow very far. Or those on rocky ground, those that receive the word with joy, but the roots don't develop very far. And so when there's trial, when there's a storm, when there's wind, or when there's a wild animal that comes, they fall away. And then there are the seeds that fall among thorns. Those heard the word, but then they were choked by the anxieties and the riches and the pleasures of the world. So that plant didn't grow very far either. And then there are the seeds that fell on rich soil. Those that embraced it with a generous heart. Those that embraced it with a good heart. Those that allowed the seed to bear fruit through perseverance. Those that remained firm on Christ through those trials of life. So of course, when Jesus gives us this parable, he's not just giving us a history lesson or something for others to hear. He's inviting us to see ourselves in this movement. Where are we currently? Are we on the path? Are we on rocky ground? Are we among thorns? And wherever we are, God doesn't want us to stay there. He wants to make us rich with His life. He wants us to be like the seeds that fell on rich soil. So right here we can say to God, God, I want to be on rich soil. Whatever thorns, whatever rocks, whatever seeds, whatever sins, whatever anxieties, whatever distractions, whatever is in the way of me being in rich soil, I give it to you. This is how God wants us to approach this time of grief, this time of trial, this storm, so that we can grieve not like the rest. Did you hear St. Paul? We do not want you to be unaware, brothers and sisters, about those who have fallen asleep, so that you may not grieve like the rest who have no hope. No, that is not us. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose, so too will God, through Jesus, bring with him those who have fallen asleep. That's us. We trust in the Lord in everything, as we heard sung so beautifully in the psalm. The Lord is our shepherd. There's nothing 
that we shall want. And above all, what we want is for Mike to be in heaven, to be with God. And we have full trust, full confidence that that is indeed his reality. That is indeed where he will rest. Now, we heard in the first reading that there is an appointed time for everything and a time for every affair under the heavens. There's a time to rejoice. There's a time to grieve. And there is also a time to pray for the dead. Because we know that those of us who die without having been fully purified have to go through a final process of purgation before they enter heaven. And we don't know, I wish I knew, where Mike was right now, but I don't. And we don't know where any of the dead are, for certain. We know that those who have died with Christ will be with God in heaven. But in the chance that Mike is in purgatory and needs further purgation, we are here to pray for him. Mike can no longer do that work on his own, that work of prayer, penance, of surrender to God. Mike is now relying on us to do it for him. So we come, this is the third reason, this, this is the second reason as I mentioned why we come to a Catholic funeral. We come to pray for Mike so that Mike can be welcomed into heaven. And as you will hear in the words that I'm going to pray here over the, over the altar, these prayers that the church has, has prayed for 2,000 years, we're going to be praying precisely for that. That Mike is saved. That Mike be welcomed into his homely, his heavenly embrace with God. Now, in the case that Mike is already in heaven, God can still use our prayers. There's no problem there. But in the case that he isn't, we don't want to deprive him of our prayers, nor deprive any of our other beloved of our prayers. So please join me as we go forward in the next 20, 30 minutes here in this prayer. Please join me in offering and uniting our hearts, all of our intentions, all of our will, all of our intellect, everything that we have in our united to the sacrifice of Christ. Because this is right now the best thing that we can do to worship God, to honor Mike, and to move forward in our own group.